We are going to talk about gaslighting and Mormonism next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? We want to welcome our viewers to this segment of our program, and I also would like to thank Dorothy Catlin, who is the co-host for us the next couple of of uh, times. And thank you, Dorothy, for coming I'm and sharing. Glad to be here. It's and a delight. It's always a delight to have you and Thanks. your insights and your input to some of these topics that we're talking about. This time, it's about gaslighting. It's been something that I've uh, noticed people talking about on social media, and I thought, well, let's apply this to our topic and see uh, what we can come up with. So what is gaslighting? Well, the word comes from a, it's probably coined the first time through from a 1938 play that was entitled Gaslight. And it was about a man who attempted to hide his criminal activities by manipulating his wife into thinking she was going insane. Now, part of his technique was to manipulate the gas lights in their home. Now, they didn't have as much electricity then. They used gas to light their homes and uh, little gas lights, you know, and they mm -hmm. were starting to dim. And he made it so that they manipulated them so they would dim. And he insisted that nothing was wrong when she mentioned it, that she really must just be imagining things. Well, psychologists today have used that term gaslighting to refer to tactics that undermine another person's perception of reality, such as denial or misdirection or deception or contradiction and blame to confuse their victims and maintain control in the relationship. Now, this happens in families and religions and marriages and even teacher-student relationships, and it can be very destructive. Now, we're going to give some real-life examples of gaslighting in Mormonism, both LDS and polygamy groups. But first, we want to quote from a couple of professional websites discussing gaslighting. Here's a definition. Gaslighting is psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator. They use this type of emotional abuse to exert power over others, to manipulate friends, family members, or even co-workers. Okay, now as I read through that definition, it brought back a lot of memories of myself mm. and people I've talked to that have come both out of Mormonism and polygamy, how they have been gaslighted using that definition. When some, someone is gaslighting another person or persons as they do in Mormonism, if they question or disagree, they're, they are told and they begin to believe that something is wrong with themselves. They are encouraged to think that they are the ones to blame for something or that they are just being too sensitive about it. This happened frequently to me while I was growing up. And blame shifting is another gaslighting tactic used perniciously by Mormonism. They'll twist or misrepresent your questions or conversations so that you end up being the cause of their bad behavior. It's always your fault. Example, look what you made me do. When it comes to particular uh, unique Mormon or polygamous religious doctrine, the leaders are the one who, ones who are manipulating or gaslighting the members. And they do it very, very well. <clears throat> 
and the members do not know they're being gaslighted. Gaslighting necessarily and by definition includes the fact that the deceiver knows he is deceiving. He's controlling their thinking and perceptions. That is Mormonism. Now, we have some examples. The Ensign is a publication by the LDS Church and is read by church members as well as by polygamy group members. We quote from a 1992 article which addressed the victims of sexual abuse or rape. The victim must do all in his or her power to stop the abuse. Most often, the victim is innocent because of being disabled by fear or the power or authority of the offender. At some point in time, however, the Lord may prompt a victim to recognize a degree of responsibility for abuse. Your priesthood leader will help assess your responsibility so that, if needed, it can be addressed. Otherwise, the seeds of guilt will remain and sprout into bitter fruit. Yet no matter what degree of responsibility, from absolutely none to increasing consent, the healing power of the atonement of Jesus Christ can provide a complete cure. That's by Apostle Richard G. Scott, Healing the Tragic Scars of Abuse in the Ensign of May 1992. That just made me gag. (laughs) It is. It's gagging. (laughs) And and it's official. We we know that because it was in the book and because Apostle said it and it was in General Conference. Yeah, and your priesthood leader will help you determine how guilty you are. Yeah. Like, yeah, hmm, yeah, that's troubling. They, they, and we have some more quotes that will back that up. <laughs> <laughs> they often blame the victim for their abuse, especially if the victim is female, because in Mormonism, females are under the power and authority of males. The polygamy groups often uphold the male aggressor and place uh, blame on the female victim. And the gaslighted victim in those circumstances are the females who are told they are responsible for the attacker's behavior, and she needs to repent and ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness. She is shamed. She carries the burden of guilt. She's been gaslighted. We have another quote. So this is from an article from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, In a 1974 LDS First Presidency statement asserted that only if a woman resisted an attacker with all her strength and energy would she not be guilty of unchastity. And the Salt Lake Tribune reported... It was taught to each new generation through the decades, often presuming rape was somehow consensual sex and placing much of the blame on women. Isn't that awful? Yeah, and that just takes my breath away. It does. That there's just simply no um, no room for choosing to to live. Yeah. As opposed it's to not. just die first die first that's yeah, what we're, and we're going to get to that quote later mm-hmm. but resisting with all your strength and energy well sure we would want that but in order to be considered not guilty in order to, yeah exactly that's the thing and yeah. if you're and if you are guilty then the shame follows and it right. lasts a lifetime right. one woman Catherine, was raped then counseled to tell her bishop about it and when she told him she said Quote, the first words out of his mouth were, let's get you started on the repentance process. Then that's what we're talking. It's despicable. It's shameful. On the one hand, it makes me laugh. On the other, it makes me gasp. Well, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. That's right. Because it's so ridiculous. Uh, It's deceitful behavior from the Mormon male hierarchy. And they are the ones who need to seek for repentance and forgiveness Mm -hmm. for using these gaslighting techniques on abused female victims. In 1969, LDS Church President Spencer W. Kimball 
wrote a book entitled Miracle of Forgiveness. The entire book <laughs> can be considered <laughs> as one big gaslighting project. We quote one of his statements. Okay, this is the statement that was in my mind a minute ago. Here's the quote. The loss of chastity is far-reaching. Once given or taken or stolen, it can never be regained. It's better to die in defending one's virtue than to live having lost it without a struggle. You know, that is absolutely the opposite of the that. truth. I was taught right? that. It's better to live so you can experience grace yeah. and, and renewal and counsel and restoration. Doesn't the Bible say choose life? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Choose life. Choose life. And God is always extending life. Exactly right. And, and how many times did God minister to prostitutes? Well, he assigned Hosea to marry one. Right. In order to demonstrate his, his faithfulness his in the face of love. sexual immorality. Exactly right. You won't find Mormonism in the Bible. Polygamy groups, of course, also teach this nonsense. They're supposed to die fighting for their virtue rather than allow a rapist to take it from them. And if they don't, they're gaslighted to believe it's their shame, their fault, their responsibility, and the attacker is free from blame or justice. My own sister was raped as a young girl, and my mother accused her of, str of strutting around too much, which may have caused the rape. Another article about Mormon gaslighting comes from the link on the screen from which we have taken some of our quotes, um, and it's entitled, Mormons, You Aren't Going Crazy. It's called Gaslighting. And of course, this applies to polygamists as well. Okay, so this website is postmormoncoaching.com, and I've never looked at it, but this is an interesting quote. Did you laugh out loud when BYU claimed low demand as the reason it didn't sell caffeinated beverages until 2017? Everyone associated with BYU knows students have been asking for caffeine for years, just like students everywhere, right? Yeah. BYU's statement completely sidestepped around the reality that caffeine consumption within the church has been a contentious issue. By not acknowledging the longtime controversy over whether caffeine is against the word of wisdom, BYU implied the decision to sell caffeinated soda was as unremarkable as the decision to add a Taco Bell on campus. That's not reality. Caffeinated drinks at BYU marks a striking change. To pretend it isn't, well, that's gaslighting. That is. Good definition mm -hmm. of it. That's very true. And then they, they, I heard someone later say that, um, that one LDS authority said, well, it's not caffeine, it's coffee and tea. I've heard that too. Yeah. So then why coffee and tea? Yeah. Right. What's the yeah. distinctive it's there? hot drink. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just start on hot drinks. Uh, <laughs> What's the difference between a hot drink and soup? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or hot cocoa. <laughs> a, a conversation many people have had. Right. Now, victims of repeated gaslighting often feel that they are going crazy. Or another troubling scenario is that they've been gaslighted so much in the past, they've completely stopped questioning almost everything. Of course, historically, Mormonism teaches that when the leaders have spoken, the thinking has been done. You don't need to think about it any longer. They've already made up your mind for you. One person's response is eye-opening. The oft-heard response, that's not doctrine, when an LDS prophet is quoted on an issue like Adam God, Blacks, or Joseph Smith must approve you to get eternal life, could the difference be the audience? In an audience of LDS members, the words of a prophet are embraced unquestioningly. In the same discussion with questioning Gentiles, then that isn't doctrine, 
that card is played when an inconvenient doctrine is displayed. <laughs> that's gaslighting. Uh, that has happened in conversations I've had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not that's not doctrine. Well, okay. Wait a minute. But wait a minute. It is. But it seems to be. And if you ask the question in other words, then they will agree with you. If they don't know that's what you've done. Uh, the audience does make all the difference in the kinds of answers that the LDS or polygamists give. Gaslighting is a malicious and hidden form of mental and emotional abuse. It's designed to plant seeds of self-doubt and alter your perception of reality. And like all abuse, it's based on the need for power, control, or concealment. But if you've got nothing to hide, you're not going to be hiding anything. Gaslighting is designed... When the LDS Church quietly posted their doctrinal essays online, many LDS members had no idea they even existed, and some members are still unaware of them. And the polygamy groups continue to embrace original Mormon teaching, which includes polygamy. One ex-LDS member said this about the essays. We were completely caught off guard, however, when we recognized the LDS Church was gaslighting its members through a series of gospel topic essays. When we read the essays, we felt as if we'd been transported into the dystopian society described in George Orwell's 1984, a place where history was literally rewritten to match new, state-approved facts. The LDS Church, which for decades has presented a neatly packaged Our Heritage version of its history, has published a drastically different version without a unified explanation to its people as a whole. And then they say, "Oh, they we've all you've always known that it's always been available. Always been you just there. didn't, right? You, you just, just didn't, didn't look hard enough, right? And you can find the essays on the screen, uh, the link on the screen, lds.org topic essays. And some people say that these essays was was referred to as a soft launch to hmm. quietly get this doctrine out there, so they can say, well, we've always known that. Their strategy was in, intended to expose church members gradually to the information that they changed." It protects the church to some degree, and they can now say, well, this information has always been available, even though in the past they've totally denied uh, much of the information that they are now admitting in those essays. Of course, those essays are now serving to bear witness that those who have been labeled anti-Mormon had actually been telling the truth. The essays are a fit example of Mormon gaslighting. Now, we have some other examples, and they're great examples. The first one is from the book of Abraham. So the Book of Abraham is introduced as a translation of some ancient records that have fallen into our hands from the catacombs of Egypt. The writings of Abraham while he was in Egypt, called the Book of Abraham, written by his own hand upon papyrus. The current curriculum teaches that, quote, Joseph Smith studied the letters and grammar of the Egyptian language, and then, with the help of the Holy Ghost, he translated the writings on the papyrus rolls. So the essay makes it clear that the LDS and non-LDS scholars agree that the characters on the fragments do not match Joseph Smith's alleged translation. The facts confirm that the papyrus fragments have nothing to do with Abraham. They are ancient funeral texts that had been deposited with mummified bodies. In other words, Joseph Smith was not translating. The Book of Mormon is a fraud, yet they still use it. Actually, the Book of Abraham is Book of the Abraham. fraud. Did I say Mormon? Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep the two separated my, as I say it. The Book of Abraham, right, is a fraud, and they still use it. Of course, the Book of Mormon is a fraud. Anyway, 
we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) The gaslighting here is that they say none of this matters. You should believe in the book of Abraham anyway, as if it were literally translated. Mormon leaders, both polygamists and LDS, expect their members to admit error and repent, but they'll never do it themselves. Instead of repenting, they gaslight. Another example is the translation of the Book of Mormon, which is similar to the deception of the Book of Abraham. In their gaslighting techniques, the old story is that the gold plates were given by Joseph Smith, and he translated them through the gift and power of God. But historical evidence reveals that Joseph Smith read words from a rock in a hat, which became the Book of Mormon, the text in the Book of Mormon. The essays confirm that that's what happened. No gold plates were used, so why use the gold plate story? The rock that he allegedly read from the words the words from was a rock he had found and previously used for divination to search for buried treasure, which he never found. <laughs> Besides, uh, behind the scenes, the old translation story is being replaced with the new. Members are, are being gaslighted to believe the new explanation rather than the historical one saying the information was always available. History is rewritten rather than corrected. This is gaslighting. And if you don't know those things. It's your fault. They've gaslighted members regarding Joseph Smith's first vision accounts. Here's a quote. Church curriculum has consistently told the story of the first vision recorded in 1838. A 14-year-old Joseph Smith wanted to know which church to join and offered a prayer in a sacred grove. In response, both Heavenly Father and Jesus appeared, telling him that none of the churches were true. Why Joseph prayed and what happened after he prayed were presented as meaningful details of this story. This essay ushers in a new reality, revealing there are multiple versions of the first vision while claiming the accounts tell a consistent story. When we read the actual accounts, however, we realize that there were significant differences between them. And the differences were significant enough that um, they're contradictory. Well, yeah, and the the interesting thing to me is that as new members of the church, don't dig very far. They'll right. just look for what the current answer is on something. So all of this revised history yeah. really hides the, the truth, the reality of the history from new right. members. Right. They only are going on current information. And and as the years go by, you know, and, and people grow up in that new information, right. Right. they the believe that's Mormon history. Like 1984, it gets dropped down the memory hole. <laughs> It's gone. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Good point. Now, in the earliest account, Joseph Smith wrote that in 1832, he prayed to seek personal forgiveness, not to discover uh, which religions were right. In fact, there's no evidence that that was even part of his prayer. In the earliest account, only one person appears to him, not two people. God the Father and, hmm. and the Son. If you prepare, if if you compare the purpose of his prayer and who appeared after he prayed, you will easily see that the eighteen thirty two and the eighteen thirty eight accounts are not consistent. Two wrong things. I mean, two contradictory things can't both be right at the same time. I mean that. that well, that's true. But wouldn't you think it would make such an impression on you that God and Jesus appeared together? Yeah. That that would never change. You think in your account? You think right, that that would be the consistent thing? You think, yeah. And then if God told you to do something in person, face to face, why wouldn't you do it? Or that you would ever walk away and forget the encounter? Exactly, or change it. <laughs> 
Even though polygamy groups are more consistent in teaching basic original Mormon church doctrine, they also change teachings to parallel their own unique gaslighting manipulations. And of course, the ultimate gaslighting in LDS doctrine is polygamy. Originally, only monogamy was acceptable in Mormonism. Then polygamy became a commandment. Then it became a requirement for eternal life. Then they denied that it was even acceptable. Then denied it had ever been a requirement. And then denied that celestial marriage and polygamy are equivalent terms. Gross gaslighting. The essays are more truthful, but that's not to say that they're completely honest, (laughs) because they're not. In the past, they gaslighted their members, denying that Joseph Smith had 34 or more wives and that some of them were already legally married women. Now, however, they gaslight their members to understand he was a polygamist and that they didn't know that it was their own fault. Reading their online essays about polygamy requires some heavy-duty mental and emotional gymnastics just to get through them, not to mention believe the deceptions they expect you to accept The website from which we've been quoting has an interesting observation. If you haven't heard of polyandry and you recognize there's no doctrinal foundation for it, we want you to know that you aren't going crazy. (laughs) For the church to reveal Joseph's behavior as if it's in alignment with a man of honesty and high moral character is gaslighting. Equally troubling, the church continues to imply that if you didn't know this new narrative, it's your own fault because long-term and well-read members, historians, and church leaders have known about it for years. For an institution to blame members for not knowing the things that institution has deliberately omitted from its correlated materials is further gaslighting. And that's what it's done mm-hmm. all since the beginning. That's what the LDS Church and the and you know they they're guilty of, of gross gaslighting, but the polygamy groups are even worse. Is very sad. Now there's more gaslighting going around from a different source. Uh, some denying that Joseph Smith was ever lived or taught polygamy, and that that it was all Brigham Young's idea. He gets the blame, and he just blamed it all on Joseph Smith. Uh, history doesn't prove that to be true. Gross gaslighting about the original racism in the Mormon Church and their doctrinal curse on black people is another example. They deny racism was ever a doctrine, even though their historical sermonizing proves beyond any doubt it was a deep, dark, pernicious, and official Mormon Church doctrine. And the Book of Mormon itself is proof it was doctrine. In the Book of Mormon remain today many, many verses teaching dark skin is God's curse and that the blessing will turn their skin white. They can earn by righteousness white skin. Today, the church disavows the theories advanced in the past, that black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or curse, that it reflects unrighteous actions in a pre-mortal life, that mixed-race marriages are sin, or that blacks or people of any other race or ethnicity are inferior in any way to anyone else. Church leaders today unequivocally condemn all racism, past and present, in any form. Now, that's from the official Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints website, right, .org. Yeah, yeah. They disavow the theories. Notice yeah. they said theories. Now they're saying that's it's gaslighting. Only a theory, yep. right? And the other articles I've read said we don't know where that theory came from, but 
<laughs> but uh, but it was it was doctrinal. It carried a curse, and the Mormon leaders said it was to say it was a theory is gaslighting. Now we have miscellaneous gaslighting by the LDS Church of Mormon polygamists that we want to quickly uh, present. Mormonism teaches a person should not be paid to be a religious minister. A, a, a lay person shouldn't be paid to minister in the LDS Church, despite the fact that the Bible teaches otherwise, and their own leaders are very well paid. We quote, When one LDS member discovered that the leaders make a lot of money, another faithful member explained, well, they need living expenses. But the first person noted that they're not getting just living expenses, they're getting excess money. They have new cars and extra houses and a six-figure income. And the gaslighting answer is, well, I've always known that. They've never <laughs> kept that a secret from members. And they have. Really? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I've always known that. <laughs> yeah. In reality, they have kept it a secret, and most members still do not realize how much money uh, the leaders draw from the LDS church coffers. Earning the money is not the problem, but lying about it is. And many polygamy groups' leaders have access to every dime and dollar of their members, but claim that they live frugally when they don't. Another example was Gordon Hinckley, when interviewed by Larry King, gaslighted the entire world on his nature of, on the nature of God and their belief in polygamy. He said, they don't know much about the nature of God. Well, wasn't he a prophet? That's troubling. Uh, it, very, <laughs> really troubling to very me. Very troubling. <laughs> and and uh, why didn't he know? He was a prophet. Oh, he's That's got right. the Bible. Does, why doesn't, doesn't he read he it? Personal revelation. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And the Mormons have always said and believed that God is a man with flesh and bones just like we have. Hinckley denied polygamy was doctrinal. Mm -hmm. Yet it takes up a full section in their Doctrine and Covenants. Section 132 is all about polygamy. But they've glass gaslighted members to believe it's about temple marriage or celestial marriage. Warren Jeffs and other polygamy group leaders have repeatedly prophesied the end of the world was coming, and they've set dates for the event. And when it didn't happen, they blamed their members, gaslighting them to believe it was their fault he didn't return. They weren't righteous enough. And he will not come back until they have proved themselves worthy and righteous enough for him to come. And when their prophecies fell, it's always the members' faults. Now, there's some present-day denials by the LDS that they taught righteous men will get their own planet on which they will rule as a god, we quote. I'm a 60-year-old ex-Mormon. I was never taught everyone gets a planet. It was way worse than that. <laughs> I was taught only men get a planet. Eternal polygamy is required in the afterlife. Men become gods, and women become polygamous wives of these men gods with the sole purpose of populating their planets. So, apologists are correct about Mormon doctrine. Mormons don't get planets. Mormon men get planets. And then there's a there's an editor's comment here. Yes, as many readers have, have stated, I, I was taught galaxy, universe, worlds without end. Now, those are phrases that even sound familiar to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I was taught that, this, this writer says. I used planets and placed it in quotation marks to indicate the current gaslighting occurring. Mormons do not believe that they're getting planets. So this, in writing this, this person says, no, what they really mean was galaxies and mm -hmm. universes and worlds, worlds without, without end. Yeah. Exactly. But they That's just substituted word. planets as a shorthand. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. 
And these examples present only a tiny bit of the gaslighting by LDS and polygamous teachings. It should be concerning to everyone that a religion claiming to be the only true religion on the planet is so deceptive. They never admit it or apologize. This is gaslighting. Now, what we would recommend is that you don't walk, that you run from these people and run right straight to Jesus. He doesn't gaslight. He tells the truth. And he alone saves sinners. He doesn't need polygamy or the LDS Church to save you. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Dorothy. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy What Love Is This with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy What Love Is This is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.